You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Dev Show. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and founder of The Dev Method, which is my system for goal setting simplified. My vision is to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation you need to figure out what you want and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Deborah Eckerling. I'm the author of Your Goal Guide and creator of the Dev Method System of Goal Setting Simplified. I am a goal setting expert with a specialty in goal strategies for events. So helping you actually get something out of events other than eye strain, sleep deprivation. And you do that all by setting goals. You know what else you do by setting goals? Improve your emotional well-being, which is what we're talking about today. Every Sunday night, I lead the Gold Chat Twitter chat, and then on Mondays, I bring in friends to dive deeper into the topic. And then on Thursday, it magically turns into an episode of the Dev Show podcast. And this topic, very, very super important. But the other thing that that I need to add is both Jen saying and Doreen Morin Van Dam requested to come on to talk about the topic. And then I magically met Diane Winger through the magic of the friends of Annie Ruggles. Mm -hmm. And here we all are today just diving in. And whenever I think I need a re reminder that we need to be conscious of mental health, I, all I have to do is grow through social and see somebody or several somebody's having a rough time. So we're all about the goals. You know, you can't get what you want unless you know what you want. And good attitude, productive well-being, really important. And that's why, well, there are like dozens of reasons why the topic is so important. But what I love is for my guests to introduce themselves and explain why this topic means so much to them. And I think we'll start with you, Doreen. Welcome. Okay. Back. Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Doreen Morin Van Dam. Um, as a 12-year social media professional, community manager, but also a mom to four young adults, um, it's uh, very apparent that um, social media and mental health um, can work together uh, for good and for bad. And um, I don't remember exactly the conversation that happened last time I was on, on this um, forum with Deb, uh, but there were several of us women talking and I reached out to Deb and said, you know, we, we didn't, we weren't able to get into this topic. And I think it's really important that um, you uh, in the audience see us talk about this, that we struggle, that we know of other people who struggle, that, um, you know, as, as professionals who are on social media all the time, who understand sort of how it works and how the algorithm works. And, um, you know, we still struggle with some, with some of the things that we see, we read, uh, we listen to, and that it doesn't always help our mental health. And, um, I just thought it would be a great conversation to have um, as a social media professional. It, well, as a social media professional and as a human being. Right. And, and you were on when we were talking about social media and community management. And it was, it holds the record for the longest episode of Gold Chat Live and the Dev Show. But we were so intent on Yay Raw, community is important to lift each other up. We didn't delve into this. So mm. I, I'm glad you're here. Really good to see you. I'm going to swap you out for Jen Sang. Uh, welcome. Great to see you. And Jen is uh, welcome back to Gold Chat Live. And Jen is one of my regulars for the Sunday night Gold Chat Twitter chat. So always nice to see you in real fake life. Uh -huh. That is great. Thank you, Deb. I appreciate <laughs> it. I love uh, the Gold Chat Live uh, or Gold Chat 
uh, chat on Sundays at seven o'clock Pacific. And I'm really grateful for this topic. And you, you mentioned that I had requested this because I have gone on my own mental health journey now for the last 15 years. Um, I call it my personal transformation journey, but I'm a big advocate of mental health. And I work in a large Silicon Valley high-tech company. I'm a certified coach, and I work with leaders to develop more leadership and mindfulness um, skills so that they can be the best leader that they can be of themselves. Um, so I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of talking about mental health. Um, I think the more that we talk about it, we remove the stigma, which is why I'm always sharing in my podcast and other podcasts and just anybody who'll listen about my own therapy journey, because I want to remove the stigma of going to therapy because I know I've had a number of people kind of give me that weird look. They're like, oh, what's wrong with you? Something, why are you in therapy? Um, I want it to be normalized so that we can talk about it and so that people feel comfortable being their whole selves and embracing everything coming up in their lives. So I'm really excited to be here with everyone today. Oh, great to see you. And when I was, when I was prepping the questions for last night, I, I altered the topic because, um, and it wasn't because of the mental health stigma. I just felt people, at least on the Twitter chat, would be more comfortable under the heading of emotional well-being. And then, of course, mm -hmm. I like, you know, throw all the throw all the the terms together for this conversation because it, I didn't want anybody, at least on the chat, feeling like I'm not an expert. I can't chime in. So that was really the reasoning for tilting the topic. But this is really, I think about coming together and saying, we're not alone. You know, we keep thinking the next normal is around the corner. Guess what? You know, and then backslide. So anyway, and anyone who knows me is I'm all about the positive attitude. Well, yes, but you also need to be real and know your own self, your boundaries, your strengths, etc. Diane, welcome. Yes, ma'am. I'm so glad I met you so you could specifically join this conversation. So uh, please introduce yourself and explain why. You, well, you know, it's, I, you jumped at it when I said, want to come on. You're like, Heck yeah. So, well, because my background sort of positions me uniquely for this conversation. First of all, I was a psychotherapist for over 20 years before certifying and training as a coach. And I work exclusively with female entrepreneurs, many of whom have mental health challenges. Um, a specific area of expertise I have is ADHD and adult women. I happen to have ADHD and a lot of my clients do. And there's a very high percentage of ADHD in the entrepreneurial community, in the tech community, and a number of other communities where there are also significant struggles with mental health. You could say chicken versus egg, but a lot of individuals with mental conditions uh, are entrepreneurs and are also leaders, but they're not always empowered to talk about their struggles. In my own personal family, we have ADHD, we have depression, we have bipolar, we have several individuals that struggle with addiction. So I am no stranger to any of this. And I think it's such an important conversation, especially now after two full years of a global pandemic that have sent people home and forced them all to be around each other for multiple hours of the day. Many of whom felt, felt the only reason our relationships were surviving is because we spent most of our time apart. And now here we all are, including kids, moms, dads, you know, it's, it's a very challenging time. And if the leaders in the community are not talking about it, no one's talking about it. Mm -hmm. So thank you for including me in the conversation. Uh, well, and such a good point. This, and this is why we have these conversations is so people know that they're not alone. And I, I want to start with the, the first question I asked right now, which is, it feels like so basic, but so important. I would love to know, how are you all doing? And I mean, really, how are you doing? Jen, tell me, how are you doing? So as someone who is act, actively working on her mindfulness, it comes and goes, right? I wouldn't say there's one feeling or one predominant um, emotion, it ebbs and flows every single day. And my goal 
has been through the pandemic, which was a great uh, reminder and a great, I used it as an area to practice, um, developing that mindfulness and getting more in touch with what are some of those feelings and um, to promote emotional well-being. So it's trying to stay on top of, hey, when I'm starting to feel burned out, do I need to take a break? Do I need just some space to go take a walk? Do I need to do something to activate that creativity? Um, so for me, I think it ebbs and flows, but I've actually been feeling very peaceful. I will have to say that's been the one thing I've been really trying to cultivate in my life. So if I had to put one word, I would say peaceful. I love it. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And so good to hear. What about you, Diane? I'm always happy to be asked how I am because surprisingly, very few people ask the helpers and healers. So this is, this is promising. It's a little bit of a stressful time right now, which is why I barely showed up on time to this call because we are going to be um, moving long distance for the second time in barely three years. Um, and there's just a lot, lot, lot going on right now, both expected and unexpected. I happen to handle high levels of stress well, but I know that a crash will come. So uh, I know when I have to pay attention to how many hours I'm working, how much sleep I'm getting, whether I'm maintaining my uh, meditation practice, my exercise, and if I'm not hitting my minimums, forget about optimums, that's off the table right now. But if I'm not hitting my minimums, I have studied myself extensively and I know what helps and I know what hurts. And if I'm not hitting my minimums, then I'm going to have to take some things off my plate in the very near future so that I can recalibrate. Because yeah. I know what will happen if I don't. I will right. end up back on antidepressants. And I have decided I would rather take really good care of myself and avoid the reasons that would put me back on meds. And so far, it's been like 20 years off of antidepressants. If I'm really willing and able, because not everybody's able, they may really want mm -hmm. to, but their circumstances are not always possible that they can take a nap or go for a walk mm. or get the heck away from the kids, you know? <laughs> so the answer is stressed. You, are, you, you are stressed, stressed, but it's not, it's, but it's monitoring. Not, right. And it's also, it's also time limited. I know exactly when it's going to be over. Cause I know what day the moving van shows up. Well, and that is the stressful thing in non-COVID times. Isn't that like on the list of the top things? That, that remodeling. Stressful? Well, and also I think one of the most fascinating things that I learned years ago that everybody here knows is that your brain doesn't know and your body doesn't know the difference between positive stress and negative stress. So you just had a car accident. You just got a raise your brain is probably going to register the same amount of stress and you're going to have the effects of it. So it doesn't really matter whether you're happy or unhappy. Stress is stress and the body's got to do something with it. Well, I have to tell you, you look fabulous. Well, you all do, but I would not know that you've got such a heavy pile of bricks that you're carrying. So it's the, it's the pink, it's the pink lipstick. I highly recommend it. <laughs> okay. We have, we have our first goal. Get pink lipstick. <laughs> Doreen. So the hell is it? Uh, how about you? How are you doing? I'm, I'm okay. I've just come off a very busy work period that ended um, in January, in February, like 20 months of really heavy workload. Mm -hmm. Um, very stressful of, you know, carrying some big clients. Um, and so February kind of was that first kind of let down of, you know, I was able to breathe. And then um, my husband went out of town for um, his first big travel. So he was gone for six weeks, which left me with two kids, two grown kids out of the house mm -hmm. and two kids in the house. So there was definitely a lot of, you know, adjusting and all of that. So um, he's back and uh, business picking up. So I, I really feel blessed that I was able to kind of align, even though the balance had been so skewed one way that the timing was right, that the balance was skewed more of the personal. Um, I did, some, did do some travel myself as well, which kind of made it stressful, um, leaving some children here, but it, it all in all, I'm, I'm feeling okay. 
Well, we'll take okay because okay is good. I think mm-hmm. okay is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Well, and the fact that you're all some form of good on my show makes me feel so much better. <laughs> but it, it it is the balance. So what? Let, let's talk about the self care. And I love asking the self care question because everybody does self care different and the same simultaneously. So, Doreen, what what is your best self care? practice habit running running I started running 15 years ago um when my youngest one was a year and a half um and I was really busy stay-at-home mom and I just needed to get out I threw him in a jogging stroller and I started running and I've done eight marathons 20 something half marathons and I just get up I'm about I just started running again in April Mm-hmm. Um, or April 1st, um, cause it's, I'm in Vermont. It's very, you know, all winter long. I, I kind of ski, kind of snowshoed, but nothing is the same as when I run. So started running. Um, and I haven't transitioned yet to morning running. Um, I was going to start tomorrow morning. Um, but we have another spring snowstorm coming, so I'll have to wait a little bit longer, but it's my 5am wake up 530 run that grounds me. And so from probably the middle of the end of April until end of October. Those are my best months because I get that outdoor time. I get that time alone. Um, my days are better when I run and that's really what, what I need. Mm-hmm. Good for you. And, and so what about you, Jen? So I have two things that I do religiously. One is I see my therapist every two weeks. That's just my ground, one of my grounding places to just process. The other is uh, I have a massage therapist. So I like to take Mm -hmm. care of my physical body. Um, But in between, I like to walk, run, work out, um, anything in nature. So anything I can do to get Mm -hmm. outside and really connect. And there's something grounding about that. Like you mentioned, Doreen, it's just... I love being out in nature and love just getting fresh air. So for me, it's all about trying to make the most of anything that I can do. So it's about mindfulness and trying to be really just present and um, just kind of take advantage of whatever time I get. Cause it isn't a lot. Like you said, Diane, I mean, sometimes it's next to nothing, but I try to capitalize on those moments when I do have a few minutes um, and just take it all in. The thing that you said that I, I want to, asterisk and underline is a few minutes Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people think, Oh, I only have a few minutes. It's not worth it. I love the concept of a few minutes because it could be time spent doing anything. Why not use it for self-care? Yeah. And I see Diane nodding. You get the question now. Heck yeah. Well, I I love my Peloton when the gym kept opening and closing and opening and closing to because of COVID, I finally broke down and got the Peloton. And I, I love it because there are classes as long as an hour and as short as five minutes, five wow. minutes. And so sometimes that's all you've got, but I'm not actually going to give that as my self-care um, strategy. My yeah. self-care strategy is napping. Now, I'm not talking about three hours where you lose the day. I'm a very strategic napper. I have a daily nap of 40 minutes. I figured out what's the right amount of time so I'm not groggy, but I'm restored. And if I really don't have 40 minutes, have you ever heard of a caffeine nap? I have, but please share. Okay, this one's really good. If you're really feeling, you know, tired, and it's not so late in the day that if you take caffeine, it's going to now interrupt with your actual sleep during the night, it takes 20 minutes for the brain to register caffeine in the bloodstream and to get that boost. That is the reason why most of us drink coffee. So if you brew a cup of coffee, and you drink it, and then you get into a quiet place, preferably very dark, a little cold, right? And no interruptions, set your alarm for 20 minutes. Just as that caffeine is being delivered to your brain, your alarm goes off and voila, you reboot. It helps if you actually don't have time to indulge hitting the snooze button and you legitimately have to get up because then it really works or it could be placebo, but hey, 
I'm, I'm going with it. I prefer the 40 minutes though. I love it. You have a napping strategy. I do because I'm just a nerd for analyzing things and doing things that count. I, I have ADHD, as I mentioned, I used to be extremely impulsive and any idea I got, I'd, I would just think it it would be great. And I would do it now that I'm older and I realize I don't want to waste time. I try to be strategic about everything. And especially if there's data, then I feel really good about recommending it to others. It's Mm. not just for me, you know, and I don't have littles or even big littles at the house. So I can just grab one of my dogs and hit the couch. And there isn't anybody that's going to interfere with that. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing I've waited a very long time for. Wonderful. And and having the furry companion probably helps as well. Absolutely. I, I, I'm getting nods from, from mm-hmm. the crowd. They add so much, so much, so much to your mental health. When I was mm-hmm. still a therapist, I wrote recommendations for emotional support animals on a regular basis because mm-hmm. there's so much evidence, especially now, there's so much evidence that they really do, in some cases, save people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would imagine that that need went up <laughs> in the last two years significantly mm-hmm. as well. Yes. So let's talk about stress because we're talking mental health. We have to talk about stress. That's like the biggie, right? So what is it that you do? Um, and I wrote this question as a, how do you deal with stress at work, stress at work from home, but really like stress. So Diane, the hell us. How do you deal with stress? I think the most important thing about stress is doing the best job you can to have realistic expectation of yourself and others. I think most of us, especially those of us who are self-employed and are trying to combine it with other things like being a partner to someone, being a parent to someone, being an adult child of someone, your bandwidth is probably not as extensive as you think it should be, or maybe as it was, or what other celebrity coaches and gurus imply or flat out implore you. Um, You need to hustle and grind, you need to do this amount of work, you need to, you know, stay on top. I don't think any of us has as much bandwidth as we expect ourselves to. And I think women in particular, are culturally conditioned to be everything to everybody and then put themselves at the very end of their list of priorities. There's only one place that's going and that's straight to burnout. And I don't think it's any surprise that the number of burnout coaches and books about burnout are like skyrocketing right now because of what we have all been through. So I think having more realistic expectations of what we can actually do in a day, in a week, in a year, especially under our current circumstances. You know, we've been living with this pandemic for all this time. There are still people that are really struggling to adjust to working from home because now their company has decided you're not coming back even if you want to. And a lot of people are worried about the war in Ukraine and are very much affected by that. I'm married to a European. I know that Doreen is is, uh, originally from the Netherlands and I... I just think that all of these things affect us and they erode our bandwidth in profound and subtle ways that add up. There is definitely accumulation factor that that people don't don't think about and I I have this thing I'm just going to do a quick little dub tangent. I have a thing I call the five of seven rule which basically gives permission to people to not work on their goals every day. You can think about it every day, but trying to do something every day, even if you think just a couple minutes is fine, sometimes you just need to take that day off. And I think it ties in really well with what you're talking about. Look around, see what you could do, do the things you could do, and then stop before you get to burnout mode. And then, of course, all the emotions that go on with everything we need to we need to put that time in right yes or take a nap 
before. <laughs> and sh shaming and blaming yourself is not going to do one thing to extend your actual capacity. <laughs> Believe me, I've tried. <laughs> I, I think we talk about, uh, this comes up, Jen, correct me if I'm wrong, at least once every month or so about the need to say no. Mm -hmm. This is such a frequent topic of conversation on the chat. And it comes up in here because we like to think we could do everything. We are wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So true. So Jen, what about mm -hmm. you and the stress? Well, <laughs> what's coming up for me is actually a practice that I have of curiosity you'd actually be surprised. What I've noticed in my own life is that a lot of times I label things as I label things as stress when they actually aren't stressed. I might be feeling overwhelmed. I might be feeling excited. I might just be feeling tired. Um, but me getting really curious with myself um, has helped me to get very specific about what it is I'm feeling and then what it is that I need. And having that practice daily throughout the day. So as I'm going, right, we can set up things, you know, have goals, be really strategic, but then something, let's say, comes out of left field and hits you and you're just like, whoa, I'm thrown off, right? I think it's about, for me, it's about curiosity. It's about really understanding myself and what it is that I need in that moment. Um, so for me, it's about asking myself, even, for instance, a very stressful thing for me, which is very silly, but I say practice when it doesn't matter, is grocery stores, especially during the pandemic, people were getting really close to me or getting frantic. And I was getting really overwhelmed. I wouldn't say stressed, but I would use that as a time to practice and notice with myself, like, what am I feeling? What's coming up for me? What do I need? How do I want to show up in this moment? But having the curiosity practices helped me kind of move through stress moment by moment so that it doesn't become this big overwhelming thing. Cause a lot of times for me, if I dismiss stress or I just kind of put it on the back burner, that's when it starts to really bubble up and starts to get really big. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to use even moments it throughout the day where I know I can get triggered or get overwhelmed or overstimulated to use curiosity to understand what it is that I need and how I might want to show up differently or what I need to support myself. So I would say developing a strong curiosity practice has helped me, especially during the pandemic. Um, to help manage and regulate my own feelings, emotions, everything going on. I love that you do that. And I think curiosity is something that, that doesn't get enough attention. Mm -hmm. You know, when something is happening to you, we'll just like push it down or put it to the side, but acknowledging, and I'm sure Diane has a thought on, on the psychology behind this probably, but acknowledging it and dealing with it rather than letting it bubble up to later is huge. Huge. I mean, I don't know specific research behind it, but I just know in experimenting with myself, I mean, even when big things have happened in my life that you would think, wow, that should cause a lot of stress. If I can just, I think it's Tara Brock has the, the rain R A I N. Um, mm -hmm. but it's about first recognizing and acknowledging, right. Accepting what's happening and then just where I get into it is just get really curious with it. Like, oh, like what's happening? And it shifts something out of that, that part of your brain that wants to be reactive um, into more of a open, expansive part of your brain that isn't feeling reactive. So it, the more I do that, those shifts, again, daily, little things, right? The more I can see overall, it helps me stay more kind of even where I'm not on this like roller coaster where... I'm really stressed, and then I'm burned out, and then I'm recuperating, and then I'm you're in that cycle, right? So I think it's about for me, it's been about every day just practicing that. Diane, mm -hmm. do you have anything before we jump into <laughs> analyzing what Doreen does? Uh, anything to add to the benefit of that kind of practice? I 100% agree with um, cultivating curiosity. I've been um, practicing uh, Buddhism for the, almost 20 years. And um, Tara Brock's radical self-acceptance is one of the cornerstones yes, that I, I continue love to use. And I think for me, the goal is to eliminate so much of the ups and downs. Ultimately, I mean, if I were to become enlightened in this lifetime, 
I would truly love to be able to receive life as it arises moment by moment in a mindful way. What is mindfulness? Open to whatever is instead of fighting or resisting reality, because you will always lose curiosity about, oh, I notice I'm having this reaction to this person or this thought about the situation. Wonder what that's about. Where did I learn to think like that? What is it specifically I'm, I'm being, you know, activated by and lack of judgment towards others but also towards our own experience. That's where forgiveness comes in. Because if if you only get as far as noticing that whenever you're around your mother-in-law, you always feel really charged up and annoyed. Okay, I suppose that's better than not noticing it. But why? Why is this happening? For me, let's, let's take her out of the equation. She's neutral. She's just an object. You're the one having the reaction. And why might that be? And what if you weren't judging it? Not her, not you. Then you really are open to learning and more significantly to change. Nobody changes from a point of suppression or shaming ever. I don't think it's even possible because you're literally cutting yourself off from the creative problem solving parts of your brain and you're staying in a state of heightened awareness that feels very much like threat, like your life is endangered. You don't get creative solutions from that place. I don't think anybody ever has. You might save your life, but your mother-in-law is not that kind of threat probably. (laughs) Hopefully not. (laughs) And it goes back to the, it's the same good and bad feelings are the same response. So to step back, analyze, deal with it. Excellent. Just just observe a little bit, observe yourself. Oh, is that, it it makes me think of the whole count to 10 thing. Something Mm -hmm. is happening. That feels so old school, right? I feel like it's something like they used to do on television all the time. If you're angry, count to 10, but it but so what like if that. so what if it's old school? You know, some of the mm-hmm. best the best tricks, tips, strategies we're getting from Buddhism, which is what five thousand years old. Like it's that, really that's, old. School. That's pretty old school, if you ask me. But mm-hmm. but that's okay. We can describe it in new ways. But it's ancient yeah. learning that is still very helpful to us. Very helpful to me. Yeah. Absolutely. Doreen, so let's talk about you and stress and how you deal with it. All right. Well, I um, I want to first acknowledge what Diane said about being from Europe. And as soon as she said the war in Ukraine, and I know there's other people out there. I grew up in yeah. the Netherlands in the 70s and 80s. The 80s were full of angst in the mm-hmm. Netherlands. The, the music was all about not if but when the bomb was going to drop. We, of course, had Chernobyl accident happen. Um, There was a lot of um, just the world's going to end stuff. And it was just not a good place to be for a while and kind of put it behind me, I guess. And then just with this war in Ukraine, my sister told me the other day that there's a run on iodine. And it just completely took me back Mm. to the eighties. I was like, Oh my God, it can't be. Um, But that's kind of, so that's definitely adding stress. My, I keep asking my family, what do you think? And they're like, Oh, we're not that far away. I'm like, I just flew to California. The Netherlands is closer to Ukraine than where I live in California. That's like not Mm. that far away. Mm. Um, So yeah, there's definitely a little bit of stress there. I don't know if I handle stress the right way or not, but um, as a mom, um, when I when I'm not working and when there's stress, um, I can totally and 100% tune out the world and go read a book or go Netflix, go binge watch something mm-hmm. because I don't want to deal with what's happening. So binge watching, reading a book, I literally I don't care what happens. A bomb could go off in my house. 
um, I will take that time to be away to take that. As far as work, um, I've become an agile marketer in the last few years, and I'm practicing agile marketer um, marketing in my um, in my business. And so, one of the things, the daily habits that I have is um, before I leave my desk for the day. I have these sticky notes. Of course, I have all kinds of books and online thing, but I write down my most important goals for the next day, tasks. And mm-hmm. so I used to wake up or you go to bed, you know, watch something, wake up at like 1130. Oh my gosh, I forgot to do this or forgot to do that. And I would never have my head empty. So the most important thing that I do at the end of the day before I leave my desk and before I leave my room, which is in the living, you know, near the living room, my office, and then close the door and don't go back in is I write down, I think about all the things I did that were great. And then Mm -hmm. I write down what I have to do first thing tomorrow morning. And that empties my head and that Mm. really decreases the amount of stress that I have. So I can be Mm. present with my family. I've been doing this for a lot of years and just the last few years I've this, this has really worked. Um, I used to work at the kitchen table. All my kids used to be home and it just was never done, especially with social media. Mm -hmm. And so Physically closing that door after I've written down what I'm going to do tomorrow makes me like, okay, that even if they're stressful things, that's, I separate the two and that really, really helps. Yeah. The boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is, I think the biggest problem, just from my observations as well, the biggest problem people had two years ago when work from home started mm-hmm. and they're still having that problem. There's, mm-hmm. I still get emails at midnight from people that I do work with. I don't respond. Occasionally I admit I will look too late, but, but having that cutoff time where you don't look when you don't respond because you're teaching people how to treat you, I think is a huge thing as well. Right. One of the things that I had to learn, I've been a community manager for about five years, which means that you're on in a way 24 seven. And so I used to do, you know, I would first thing in the morning, I pick up my phone and see what happened in community overnight. And then the last thing I did before going to bed. And so I made a rule. Um, You can only do community management on your computer. So that makes Mm -hmm. it a whole lot easier, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Because now my phone is not my work. And that's, that was a very, so you give me star. Yes, <laughs> good, good strategy. Yes. So I don't do community management. It's harder to do it anyway, because you need to really be there and present and empathize with people and, you know, do all the stuff. But so I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that on my phone anymore. So the first thing when I wake up is not grab my phone and go do community management. It's go downstairs, feed my dogs, go for a walk, have my coffee, be with my family. And then I go to work. So those those are things that have helped me reduce stress greatly. The other thing that you mentioned, which isn't a question, but it is now, is that at the end of the day, you write down what you did accomplish mm-hmm. before you go to the goals for the next day. And I am, you know, the gold stars. We celebrate everything in my world because mm-hmm. like challenging enough. And the fact that that's part of your routine is Excellent. Because in whether you call it a win list or you treat yourself or whatever, acknowledging and celebrating those wins, I think really is something else. It lifts your spirit, keeps your energy going and and keeps the forward momentum. So I guess the question is, so how do you celebrate your wins? Do you celebrate your wins? You better all say yes. And then how do you celebrate them? So do you celebrate, celebrate, Doreen? Or you just stay like... Yeah, yeah, I actually have a wonderful group of people that I'm in a mastermind with. So we do some great celebrations there. Um, my husband's my business partner. So I'll be like, oh, I, you know, we'll go have lunch together or dinner. and be like, I had this great, you know, meeting today. Um, so there's definitely acknowledge that I share with my children when, when things go well in my business, I think it's really important. Um, and so, yeah, I absolutely celebrate those wins. I think, you know, sometimes it's tied to money. Like I got a big contract or this, but most of the time it's, I, I did something really cool. I had a really cool meeting or met somebody nice or, um, my podcast went really well today or, you know, absolutely. If you don't, if you don't celebrate those wins, then why really are you 
doing this work, right? You, you've got to, you, I mean, you've got to move forward, but you, I mean, everybody's got days that they don't necessarily like what they're doing, but I think being able to celebrate when things go really well makes up for those times when you're just eating that frog and, you know, being, doing the grind. Right. So um, absolutely. I think it's really important to, um, to vocalize those wins. I, I put in the chat while you were talking. So my right on Facebook group, it's all about what are you working on? But my favorite day of the week is to your horn Thursday. What was your biggest win this week? Because people don't have that platform. So if you don't have a place to share your wins, you do now. So the community and the family celebrating with you, lifting you up. I, I love that. What about you, Jen? How do you celebrate? Well, I have a few different things. So I don't have a, a specific practice, but I do have like, I have a mailbox or a folder. So whenever I get maybe, you know, a nice email or something, I file those away and I'll periodically go back and kind of remind myself, right, of what I'm doing. One thing I do is I have a whiteboard. And when I have a big win, I actually turn it into a mantra and I write it up on my whiteboard so that it helps me, first of all, be reminded so it's more of a kind of constant reminder again, mm. but it turns it into a mantra. So it feels like it's an embodied thing where it's like, you know, no, I am successful or I am, you know, fill in the blank. So um, I, I like to turn it into mantras and keep it kind of close by. Um, I like the idea of what I was actually hearing from Doreen was like what I call get it out. Um, not only celebrating the wins, but also just getting out kind of the the mental chatter that we have in our brains. Um, and I think that's a really useful practice. I do that a lot actually with my writing is just to get it out. Like things that I'm thinking or feeling or things that are just kind of swirling. I like to just write it out. Um, and I have a notebook book here where I do that. So I do that, but I also have a community of people that, you know, I can turn to and kind of support. I will admit I am not good at it. It's something I really have to work on. I'm not good at celebrating wins. I have a tendency to like criticize, you know, the one thing that maybe mm -hmm. didn't go well. Um, so I'm practicing, but I like your idea. Maybe every night writing a couple of quick wins, that might be a good mm -hmm. practice to pick up. But those are some of the things that I do. And you know, the first question every week on Gold Chat, Twitter chat is what was your biggest win last week? I love that too. Yes. And some of it, it can be, and you know, this. sometimes we get, I survived. And usually the people who wrote, I survived, or I had a difficult conversation, or I dealt with something. Mm -hmm. I mean, even more important than, you know, I, I spoke at this place, I got a new client. Wonderful. But you dealt with something that you had to deal with, and you mm -hmm. feel better. Mm -hmm. You know, all the gold stars to that. Yeah. Diane, what are you thinking? Okay. I, if you need more encouragement to celebrate your wins more, cause I, it, you guys are just like me. We are high achievers. We have high expectations of ourselves. If we do well, it's expected and you just move on, you know, check, 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 and you just move on to the next thing. But what kind of converted me on this and made me realize, oh, I, I really do need to take more time with this is Dr. Rick Hansen, who is both a Buddhist uh, practitioner, mindfulness teacher, and a neuropsychologist, super smart, very chill guy. He has a practice you can learn on YouTube called Taking in the Good. And it's based on the fact that all brains, not just yours, Jen, steer towards the negative. There, it's called the brain's negativity bias. And negative events are like 500% more sticky for our brains than positive because there's an evolutionary bias there. If something really bad happens, your brain wants you to remember it so you don't repeat it. It actually helped keep us alive back in the days with the saber-toothed tigers and the dinosaurs and all that. Now it's just overactivated. But you can train your brain to get better at taking in the good by when you have a moment, whether it's a win or anything that you feel proud of or you survived or there's a sense of accomplishment, whether you choose to share it or not, but you literally give yourself even a minute 
to focus on that thing and nothing else, no distractions, no interruptions, no what's next on my list, where you just contemplate how it feels in your body, mind, and brain before you let it go and move on. And if you try to do that at least periodically, you're actually increasing your capacity for joy, for pleasure, for pride, and for celebration. I need a post-it note for that, like most things, because otherwise it'll be another great idea that I heard once and forgot all about. The brighter, the better. But my formal celebratory practice is, if you're familiar with The Artist's Way from Julia Cameron, I no longer do the morning pages, but I still do the artist date where you, I have a list of things that I think will be interesting, stimulating, challenging, or fun that are about two hours, just me. Nobody can come. It's not a play date. It's a date between me and joy, me and creativity, me and the childlike part of my nature that really needs to be actively cultivated. Uh, So it stays alive. And so maybe I'll go take a fencing class or maybe I'll go to Legoland or maybe I'll go to a greeting card store and I will read every one of the cards that's marked funny. And I'll be laughing my head off in the middle of the store and people are like, crazy lady, all three. I don't care because I got what I came for. (laughs) And I I leave feeling great. And sometimes I don't, you don't even have to spend a dime. Laughter always works. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's great to keep a list of those you, things. You won't re- you won't remember because you're like right. oh celebrate yeah I'll do it next time no you won't do it this time do it now have a well, list in a list in in um there's there's a lot of journaling and brainstorming that that's hand in hand with what I do in the Dev Method because you know you got to get the things out of your head and onto the page you know you could see you need to see the reality you want to create um but to have that list of what would be fun, what would bring me joy. And then um, let's say someone cancels an appointment. Don't fill it with work. Go to your list and do one of the fun things. Mm -hmm. But I have the list at the ready for when you have the time. And if it's accidental time, you know, turn it around. I wish people would cancel on me more often so I could do more things on the list, right? That's That's a great idea. One of the things that I forgot to do to mention when I was talking about dis- dis- distressing is while I go off social media, I have found a couple of brain games just on my phone mm. that I will play that just reset. Um, most of them are number games. Um, I don't necessarily like word games because I'm dual dual language. And, you know, I found that some games I'm better in Dutch, some the games are better in English, but numbers are the same, no matter what language. It was really funny. My kids grasped that early on, right? They could speak to me in Dutch, my husband in English, and, you know, we could talk about things. Um, but anyway, they're number games and that helps me reset. And sometimes I'll just allow myself like two minutes, little game on my phone and I'll go back and, you know, especially when a, a, an appointment is late or something happens, it's like, all right, I just got to do my little game. And they're just, they're just math games, you know, like lining up numbers or seeing patterns. I like patterns, puzzles, um, and they really help me refocus and get some of that stress out when I need it. I love games. I love, and I do, I do Wordle and its cousins, Jordle. I'm Tortle, Quirtle, and Nerdle. <laughs> that, that's like the, the Labradoodle and the Golden Doodle You're and right. the Schnoodle and, you know. Yeah. And, and, and there's a new one I looked at today. I think it's called Waffle. I think I saw that one somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's insane. Don't do that one. But do all the other ones. Okay. And if you have games you like, please send them to me. I will put them in the recap, which, by the way, if you could, if you go to the devmethod.com slash blog, you can get the links to our wonderful guests and uh, highlights of their fabulous tips. Oh my goodness. We still have one more question before we go into sharing goals. So I want to get to everything and, and we have to ask the social media question. So what are, what is your best tip? We'll, we'll keep it at one uh, for practicing self care on social media. So do you want to start a stream? 
Sure. So the one tip would be to use um, the uh, function. Let me just see what it's actually called. Do not disturb function. Um, use that on your computer when you um, don't want Slack notifications or like when I do a lot of content creation uh, writing. Um, I also, you know, do some graphic design, but mostly it's writing, blogging, um, creating social posts, and I will block time and I will put do not disturb on and I will close my door. <laughs> and that's, I think the, the one tip that really works. Um, I, and then the other tip, of course, what I said earlier is, um, even though my phone is an extension of my Mac computer, I have an iPhone, um, I really try not to use that for business and people, you know, it's kind of silly, but I know I can do Instagram on my phone, but I really should be doing it on desktop. I really want to work on my desktop. So I have a dedicated space for that. So I think that would, that those are, those are the tips I would say, use that do not disturb and you can use it on your phone. Obviously we all know that, but use it on your computer. Love it. And, and really great way to set those boundaries. Yep. And Jen, what is your self-care social media tip? Well, I'm going to kind of piggyback off what Diane was saying earlier. Um, in a Buddhist kind of light is work on ways to become less identified with your social media presence. I meet a lot of people who are really getting caught up in how many followers they have, who said what, you know, getting attention or whatever. I mean, I, for my mental health, I try to really kind of disconnect from that. I want to connect with people who are like me, who share positivity, who have, you know, all of these things that add to me, not things that really suck me and drain me. So I think the less we can become identified with what we feel our present should be or what it needs to be or what others are doing or whatever, try and be just work to be less identified with that and use the platform just to connect with people who fill your cup, not constantly draining you or making you feel bad or, you know, just try and create more space and be less attached to the idea of what I think a lot of people think social media is, um, that would be my, my advice. And use it for good, not evil. Mm -hmm. use yeah. It oh, yeah. To make you feel good. Right. Not to feel terrible. Cause I think Correct. that that's the spiral that happens mm -hmm. is you end up in these situations. A uh, great, great dip, that disconnection. Love it. Diane, what about you? I learned firsthand how dangerous social media, particularly Snapchat and Instagram, uh, are for young women. Um, when I was still working as a therapist, 100% of the young women, college age and early career, who were struggling with uh, body image issues, social anxiety and generalized anxiety disorder, 100% of them were addicted to social media. Their own admission, I, I did not introduce that term into our conversation. And so part of their treatment with me was they had to do a 30-day detox from their platform of choice. At first, it was really hard because FOMO really kicked up a storm. But within 10 days, absolute transformation. So for me personally, though, I made a conscious choice after trying to be everywhere and failing hard and <laughs> feeling like a complete idiot who was wasting money and time chasing after something impossible. I really decided, okay, I'm going to honor my preferences. I'm going to work on my FOMO and I'm going to go for quality over quantity. And I'm just going to forget about those other platforms. I'm not going to take my stuff down. I'm just going to let it die of natural causes. <laughs> just, for, <laughs> just forget that it's there. I don't have to make a statement. But instead of focusing on followers or follower count or any of that, really paying attention to the quality of the engagement mm -hmm. and, and how I feel when I'm posting. I do a lot less than I used to. I think my results are about the same but I feel good about the time I'm mm. spending as opposed to feeling like I'm just dog paddling to keep my head above water, but I'm, I'm about to go under at any moment, which is how I felt before. Yeah. Good for you. Well, ask me in a month, you know, I, I may, I may relapse, but um, 
it's just not, I like real people. I like real conversations. And even though it's social as well as media, it still feels a little bit too one way for me most of the time, the whole asynchronicity. Like I love that because, you know, I don't always have to be there, but the only time it's really meaningful is when I actually am there. And so is the other person. And if that's the case, why not Voxer or the phone? Remember the phone? Like for other reasons other than social, like actually talking on the phone, it's not a bad, it's not a bad try. So I don't know what I don't know what my relationship with social media will be in the future, but it's it's much more intentional and conscientious now because literally trying to be everywhere and trying to grow everywhere, not 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 feeling it, not happy. And it wasn't working either. Mm-hmm. You take the best of what works and you get rid of everything. And I think Doreen's uh, has heard me say this before. The only secret to social media is there is no secret. There's only what works for you. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget that. So really good reminder. Um, I cannot believe how long we've been talking a little. We're, we're going to, we need, we have a couple things that we need to do is first, I would love for you all to gift a goal to the audience, something that they could do today, tonight, tomorrow to improve their emotional well-being, their mental health, whichever terminology you want. Uh, Jen, do you have a goal to gift? Yes, to be more intentional, piggybacking off what Diane was just saying, be more intentional in everything that you do and develop a practice to focus on being more intentional. And like I said earlier, use everyday situations to practice being more intentional. So it's not about, oh, all of a sudden I want to be intentional in my business. So now I need to figure out how to be intentional in my business. Start being intentional in everything you do, whether it's walking down the street, in line at the grocery store, which is my trigger, um, or whatever you're doing, just be intentional and try and be really, really present. I think you'll notice what kind of effect that will have on your mental health and that stress. You won't feel that constant need to do more and it'll it'll just transform your life. Awesome. I love that. Diane. What is your goal to gift? Just about all of us aren't getting enough sleep or getting enough quality sleep. And it can be quite the rabbit hole trying to help people figure out how to do it consistently um, because everybody's got different lifestyles, different demands, different needs. So I would say there's one thing that you can do that will help especially if you do it consistently. It doesn't require you to go to the be- go to bed the same time every night, to sleep the same number of hours every night. doesn't require you like Doreen and I getting up at five in the morning. Uh, that's for crazy people. I- I'm, mm-hmm. speaking, I'm speaking for myself. No. But, but um, if you could get up at the same time every day, seven days a week, regardless of when you went to sleep, we know for a fact that within six weeks, the quality of your sleep does improve. And it's often the first step towards getting more restful sleep is just keeping a consistent wake up time. Everything else can stay the same. And then see if you don't feel like maybe you want to go to the next level. But even if you get up at the same time every day, so that your brain is not having so much of a challenge every single morning, do I feel like getting up or not? You start your day with decision fatigue. It's better to have a same time every day so that you don't have to make that decision when you might be tired. I have never heard that before. I think that that's, I'm obsessed with sleep. (laughs) You you already heard about the napping thing. So but yeah. I can see how that would be helpful. And and I've done episodes on sleep and dreaming. And this is the first time I've heard, you know, the consistent wake up time, no matter when you go to sleep. I am embracing everything you're saying. Well, mm-hmm. everything everybody is saying. I love that. I'm going to try that because I have that. We all have that challenge, right? Yeah. I mean, it makes, it it makes so, so much sense. I mean, my summers are my spring summers and falls are so much better when I consistently wake up the mornings. I don't run, I do core. So I get up anyway, I'm awake, I'm up, I'm doing things. And yeah, some nights my 
body will tell me go to bed at 8.30. (laughs) And then other, you know, and then other times I'll stay up till 10.30. But yeah, getting up at five, having that alarm set, it's definitely, it's something. And it doesn't have to be five, it could be six, but um, the same time. Yeah, it's really, it's something for sure. Because your your brain takes the burden of deciding, do I feel like getting up or not? When it's a habit and doing it every day, it's going to become you're going to have a neural pathway in your brain devoted to maintaining that habit in about six weeks. Hmm. And then every single day, the first act of the day won't be, do I feel like getting up or not? Why burden yourself like that? How you start is Hmm. often how the day is going to go. So just eliminate that one problem and see if it doesn't make a difference. Awesome. So awesome. Doreen, what is your goal? All right. So my goal to gift is for whatever goal you have, find an accountability partner. Mm. I have found that in my um, years of running, having lived in different places, and when I travel, if I have somebody waiting at 5am or 530 to go run with, that that really motivates me. So for years, I ran with a friend in South Carolina. I've trained with my husband for marathons. When I travel, I'm at a conference. I always try to connect with people ahead of time. Who else is a runner? Anybody getting up early? Um, and now I also have some accountability partners in my business. Um, so mm-hmm. we meet every week. Um, so whatever goal you have that you want to attain, having that, you know, sharing that goal with somebody in your life who is a positive force who um, has, you know, aligns well with you, who will lift you up and um, who is excited about attaining some sort of similar goal um, can really make the difference between you moving forward and you stalling out because it's really, that's really what it's all about. um, The people that you surround yourself with. So I would, that would be my gift to you. Find somebody to, to help you attain those goals. And this has been, this is how I got started in the goal sphere is by leading a writer support group that was all about goal setting and productivity and accountability. So I, I completely agree and have seen the power firsthand. And again, in a way it set me on this path. So love that. And if you can't find one, join the right on group because we will be your cheerleaders because in, if you're watching, you know, comment. If you're listening, you know, well, this is a perfect time. Where can people find you? So connect with all of us. Let us lift you up on your goal journey. So Doreen, where can people find you? All right. Um, my most active platform I'm on is uh, LinkedIn. So Doreen Moore and Van Damme on LinkedIn. You'll see the orange glasses. Um, just, you know, f- go ahead and um, connect with me. Um, I know Diane did yesterday, uh, which was wonderful. Um, and then, um, at my, my business name is more in media. So, uh, more in media on Instagram, Twitter, those places, but I'm most active on LinkedIn right now. Um, it's where I'm putting 90% of my effort, <laughs> um, right. You can't be everywhere and, and expect the same results everywhere. So, uh, LinkedIn is where I put in most of my efforts and I'd love for people to connect with me there. Excellent. And Jen, where can people find you? So I'm most active actually on Twitter. So you can find me on Twitter at J-E-N-N-T-S-A-N-G. And I'm also on LinkedIn as well. So you can connect with me there. Um, My business website is coachwithinsight.com. I also have a podcast where I talk about leadership and mindfulness um, tips and conversations. So that's at intheleadshow.com. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Mm -hmm. And Diane, where can people find you? You can listen to me on my podcast, which is about women and ambition called The Driven Woman. And you can follow me at Coach Diane Wingert on Instagram or Diane Wingert Coaching on LinkedIn. Awesome. And I am at The Deb Method everywhere. And you can learn more about me at thedebmethod.com slash goals. And again, uh, thedebmethod.com slash blog will have the recap and links and the LinkedIn links to our wonderful guests from today. What a wonderful conversation. Thank you all so much for for joining me, Doreen, Jen, Diane. Do you have a final thought that you want to leave people with, Diane? I think the most important thing I always want people to remember 
if they are struggling with their mental health for the moment or on an ongoing basis is you are not broken and you are not alone. Connect with somebody. It always helps. Thank you for that. Doreen, what thought do you have to follow that? Sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, what you see on social media is not real life. Please. If you see friends, you know, sharing happy Easter pictures, uh, you know, Passover pictures this weekend, know that behind the scenes, there probably was a mom crying, you know, dinner burned, um, a family fight. Um, and then also pay attention to those who are not posting at all. Usually when people get quiet, your friends aren't on there. Um, go check up on them. You know, mm-hmm. there's also people who instead of posting and pretending are not posting at all. So if you have a friend who goes silent um, on social media, go, go, go check on them. Mm. I think that's awesome. It's so important. And let's make that a bonus goal. Everybody jack up on somebody mm-hmm. today, tonight, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Jen, final thought. So I am a highly sensitive person. I've suffered with anxiety and panic disorder most of my life. And I can tell you one thing for sure is that most things in life are temporary, whether it's positive whether it's negative. And it's something I have to remind myself constantly when I'm in the middle of an anxiety or panic attack. Um, Learn to flow with life a little bit more as those feelings and things come up, the more we resist, the more it persists. So can we learn to really embrace all parts of us, even the parts that make us a little bit uncomfortable? Um, Again, speaking from somebody who suffered with anxiety most of her life, that has been the biggest help is knowing that it's temporary, doesn't last forever. And yeah, just get curious and work with it. What a wonderful, empowering conversation on being in touch with the the who you are, uh, being more socially self-care aware and the very important mental health check-in. So thank you again, Doreen, Jen, Diane, for joining me. Thank you if you're watching live or the replay or listening. Um, Good for you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Your life is in, you have the power for the life you want. Go on out there, go for it, because we know you can do it. Thanks for listening to The Deb Show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow at The Dev Method on social media, and check out thedevmethod.com. Best of luck with your goals, and remember, you can do it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.